I'm worried that we've reached the end of critical thinking. And I'm worried because not only of what I'm seeing on social media, but the rise and prevalence of cancel culture and the difficulty in having real conversations, nuanced conversations around difficult topics, because the knee-jerk reaction sometimes is just like, ugh, I hate it. And I completely understand that, which is why today we are talking about Burger King stepping in it on International Women's Day and the process I go through in evaluating information and critically thinking for myself. A little bit of a think like a lawyer, if you will. So let's get into it. Hey there. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years. I'm a former prosecutor, and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. Okay, but before we get all the way into it, I wanted to take a moment to thank those of you that have left amazing reviews on Apple Podcasts and on the other podcasting platforms and on any of my videos on YouTube. If you do not catch the videos on YouTube, I invite you to come hang out at least for one live stream with the law nerds. I live stream on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central and on Fridays at 7 p.m. Central. And the chat is one of my favorite things. It is like an old school AOL chat room where we all get to hang out and have real conversations about pop culture topics, difficult topics, fun topics. So watchemily.com will get you right to the YouTube channel. Go ahead and subscribe. We are going to be at 100,000 subscribers in no time, and I am blown away by the support. And I saw that in some of the most recent reviews on the podcast over on Apple Podcasts. User 13151514 (laughs) left this review and said, favorite podcast. I've been watching Emily's videos live and pre-recorded on YouTube for some months now. Before, I did not think that I would enjoy legal commentary, but I immediately found the way she covers topics entertaining, and now I'm here for all the things. I think her legal breakdowns are perfectly suited to the podcast format. She has the voice for it, and I would absolutely recommend her content to anyone who appreciates fact-centered discussions with the occasional building of a monument or two to the gods of speculation. That is just a heartwarming, amazing review with some inside jokes thrown in, and I love it so much. I have seen all of your reviews, and I just, I can't believe it, and I'm constantly, truly blown away by the support. Let's talk about Burger King stepping into it on International Women's Day. If you haven't heard this story yet, let me catch you up to speed. Burger King UK tweeted out early on March 8th, International Women's Day, this, quote, women belong in the kitchen, end quote. And then they went on to subtweet under it later, not a lot later, but later enough. If they want to, of course, Yet only 20% of chefs are women. We're on a mission to change the gender ratio in the restaurant industry by empowering female employees with the opportunity to pursue a culinary career. 
when we talk today about critical thinking, keep these tweets in mind because that first reaction to women belong in the kitchen is what I want you to run this conversation against. How do you feel when you heard it? What does it make you think? Would you want to retweet it and be like, WTF Burger King? I hate you the most. And then after the discussion of how I process information, we're going to come back around to this tweet. We have to get into talking about the process of thinking, which is a weird thing to talk about, but it needs to be talked about more. Like critical thinking is so, I want to say critical. And then I'm like, God, Emily, do better. (laughs) Like you can pick better words. But critical thinking is so important to us because it's the way we process the world. And right now, particularly during 2020, we are still struggling with full COVID fatigue, lockdown fatigue, all of the fatigue. But we're also right now, my opinion, in a very emotionally informed society, especially when it comes to culture within social media and culture within um, conversations. And most of those conversations happening on social media. They're very, very informed by reactionary emotions. And there is a way, I think, to acknowledge and honor emotions and feelings and not discount them while also moving away from that and saying, but what are the facts? So being able to say, these are the feelings and these are the facts is where we get to facts, not fuckery. And I know Ben Shapiro likes to say, um, facts don't care about your feelings. There's a lot of people that talk about facts in different ways. And while facts might not care about your feelings, that doesn't mean we can't care about each other's feelings. And this is where I'm, this is where I'm finding difficulty because when we don't understand each other's feelings, we can't have conversations about the facts. So I see kind of two sides of, look, you have to, you have to, you other person have to honor and adhere to my feelings. And that's not it. But also it can't be, I think your feelings are invalid. I think your feelings are nonsensical to me. I think your feelings are too much feeling. So I'm not, I'm going to invalidate those two. That's not it either. There is a balance between acknowledging feelings and understanding feelings and still evaluating facts because feelings are information too. They're just a different kind of information. If something feels gross to you, that's information that you need. If something feels like inauthentic to you, if something feels like it doesn't sit well with you, that's information that you need, but that's not invalid, but that's also not facts. So being able to honor both, it's something that I see missing right now because it's like, there can't be any, there can't be any feelings. No, we have to honor each other's feelings. If somebody tells you, Hey, this hurt me. And this is why this hurt me, or those words hurt me. Then the the response is not, hey, those words shouldn't hurt you. The response is, oh, I don't understand why those words hurt you. 
but I want to understand why those words hurt you. Because if we don't evaluate culture and language, we're not going to be able to continue to do better. Because if it's just like, whatever, you're a snowflake, um, meaning somebody who's too fragile, whatever, you're a snowflake is not it. Just being like, words, words have impact and meaning. And so understanding that there are both facts and feelings. And if we do not address the feelings part, we can never get to the facts part. Right now, a lot of the news media is stuck in the feelings part, as opposed to acknowledging the feelings part and then moving to the facts part, saying, I hear you. I hear what you're feeling. And if I don't understand it, I will ask you so I can understand. But with the way cancel culture is right now, it's hard to have conversations about feelings because I think the people who are like saying, hey, these words, these actions, these things are hurtful, are afraid that they're going to get met with you're wrong for them being hurtful or are so used to feeling like they're going to get told they're wrong for it being hurtful that it goes way over the top of, and if you don't agree with my feelings, fuck you, you're canceled. Because that's the part that's hard. It's the, these are the feelings I have around this. Can we talk about that? Without getting to, and if you don't agree, fuck you, you're canceled. And that's where we are stuck right now. Because I think a lot of people are just like, well, the facts, the facts, fuck your feelings. Uh, no, no, we have, we have to get to the feelings first. And then we get to the facts and then we come together. I, this is when I talk about media manipulation and it's not just big media or mainstream media, it's music, it's iPhone commercials that are like people, um, weeping, watching like a grandmother talking to their granddaughter over FaceTime. And you're like, I need a new phone. It's like, fuck, stop manipulating my feelings. I don't want to cry during commercials. It's, it's Amy Grant with the, the sad dogs and the, from the arms of an angel. I'm like, I'm sitting on my couch crying. I feel like I need to donate money somewhere. I can't get myself together. Yikes. Like the, the emotional manipulation is hard. When we talk about law is reason free from passion, quote from Legally Blonde. I know it's also Aristotle. I know. I know it's also Aristotle, but Legally Blonde. <laughs> the meaning of the law is reason free from passion doesn't mean there can't be passion in advocating what the law should be. But once we get to what the law is, once the law is written, evaluating the law to a set of facts does not bring in passion, meaning it doesn't bring in your personal feelings. Not that it doesn't bring in advocacy, not that it doesn't engender a passionate feeling of like right and wrong and morality. It's just saying there has to be a setting aside of the individual personal feelings from evaluating the law and the facts together. Because essentially legal reasoning is saying the law says this, that means this. The law is this, that means this. And if the law is that, and that means this, these facts connect with this in this way. So we have to determine what the law is and then what that actually means. And in 
the practice of law, there's jury instructions. The law says, you know, the taking of personal property by force is a robbery. But then the jury instructions say, this is what personal property is. This is what force is. This is what this is. And it outlines what that means. Law, what it means, how the facts apply to it. I had a mentor at the DA's office who, when he passed from cancer, shook, like shook, like was one of the things that shook me um, in my career and early in my career. And he was one of our trainers. And then I got to work with him one-on-one with a, another DA who I really enjoyed. And it was, he was our supervising DA and the two of us were the trial deputies and we had a prickly judge, but she and I worked so well together and he was such a good teacher that I enjoyed so much getting to um, work with him and learn from him. And one of the things he always reminded us when we talked about criminal law is like, look, you want to go into your closing argument like something you've seen on TV. And at the time, look, a lot of us were heavily influenced by Ally McBeal and <laughs> Law and & Order and, and L. Woods. So there's all these TV perceptions of what a lawyer is in your head and these TV perceptions of what a trial lawyer is in your head and a TV perception of what a prosecutor is in your head because there's all these imagery that you need to understand because that's what a jury thinks a lawyer is too. And at some point you try to play that role for them, or at least I did. I don't know if everybody does. Experiences are so individual. But he would always remind us, look, try not to do the most. He didn't use those words, but try not to do the most in closing because a jury doesn't want to be manipulated. They want to be educated. They want you to teach them. And what you need to teach them is what the crime is. And you need to talk about what the crime is and talk about what the crime is again and talk about the crime, the crime, the crime, and the defendant's connection to the crime. So this is what it is. These are what the facts are. This is what the situation is. This is what the witnesses said. This is what the evidence shows. And this is why we know it's that person. The crime, the crime, the crime because juries don't want to be manipulated. So when I break down information, I always look at what are the facts? Like for me, it's the facts, the facts, the facts. And where are my feelings? Because if I don't know what my feelings are, they they could spew out fucking everywhere and that's not good either. So knowing what my feelings are, I can go, oh, I'm really fired up about this. But then when we talk, because I'm doing commentary, I can say, I'm really fired up about this and this is why. Or I feel like this doesn't sit well with me. Like the morality of this doesn't sit well with me, but the law of this is over here and I can explain the difference. When you don't know yourself, it's hard to differentiate those. So the law is reason free from passion means whether you fucking love something or fucking hate something, the law should be applied the same way. And that is really, the law is reason free from passion but it doesn't mean there is no passion. It means you have to address your passion first and go, oh, that's how I feel about this. That goes over here. And if you've seen my TED Talk or if you've seen me talk about myself, (laughs) you will see me talk about like my little lawyer box because once you get used to putting your feelings aside in a box, it becomes a very easy coping mechanism to keep going to and to keep gravitating towards. Putting your feelings in a box and then letting them come back out is a much harder process, but it's work that we all can do. I wanted to break it down and make it easy. Thinking like a lawyer, how do I feel about the thing I'm looking at? And this is a, how do I feel about this tweet? Because this tweet might not be true, 
but how do I feel about it? Fuck you. I hate that tweet. I'm going to retweet that. Look, you motherfucker. Those are feelings. <laughs> it doesn't mean they're right or wrong. They're just information that you hate that thing. Okay. Do you need to retweet it? That's the next step of the evaluation. Do, is that helpful? Maybe not. Or maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it's like, no, I fucking hate that. Something needs to be said. Okay. But when we act out of feelings and don't always run it through our brain, uh, sometimes we do things that we, we wish we hadn't done. And on Twitter, they stay around. So for me, it's always, how am I feeling? What do I want to say? Is it helpful? Is my analysis, is it helpful? Is it helpful for me to share this? Is it helpful for my community to understand this? Or do I just want to vent my feelings all over the fucking place? And if I do want to vent my feelings all over the fucking place, that's okay too. I just need to know that that's what I'm choosing. Like sometimes you wake up and you just choose it. You're like, no, y'all are going to know how I fucking feel about this shit right here. Okay, sometimes I just vent that shit to people in my life and don't have to vent it on social media. As long as you're making the conscious choice, I'm not telling you one's right or wrong. Just know if you're venting feelings that you're venting feelings. I choose not to argue about feelings on Twitter because nobody's feelings are wrong. They're just their feelings. I might think that the thing they're basing their feelings off of is wrong. The facts underlying the feelings might not be accurate, but the feelings are the feelings. So how do we feel about the thing? What is the thing even? What are we looking at? What are the facts? Like, actually, what are the facts? Headlines aren't facts. Headlines aren't facts. Headlines aren't facts. They're clickbait. They're meant to get you to go, ooh, fuck that shit. Or, ooh, I love that. Feelings aren't facts. How do I feel? What are the facts? What don't we know? What don't we know? Hey, what other information might I want about this situation? And then that's what sits in the back of my head. Oh, okay. I still don't know this, this, and this. Interesting. Okay. Those are the things I don't know. Cool. Now I know. That's what I'm going to be looking for. And that's what I go on the hunt for. That's what I go on the hunt for. What do I not know? What are the potential issues? Oh, well, it could be this and it could be this. Interesting. It could be perceived this way. It could be perceived that way. Interesting. Then what is the law? Now, if I'm analyzing good use of English, Emily, if I'm going into an analysis about law, I will look at the law first, then I will look at the things, and then I will come back to the law. If I'm looking at a news story and if I'm looking at a tweet, this is the process I go through. How do I feel about the thing? What are the facts we know? What don't we know? What are the issues? And then if it's a legal thing, what's the law? Then, then it's debating the law on both sides. The law could go like this. The law could go like this. These facts could play out this way. These facts could play out that way. Legal reasoning is nuanced thinking with attention to detail. And lawyers, look, when I would go into a closing argument of a case, I have been thinking about those facts sometimes for two or three years. I have been thinking about that case generally nonstop for at least three or four months. Not always, because there were times in misdemeanors when they're like, hey, there's a jury. We don't have a DA. Could you just go do this? And you're like, uh, who are, what happened? Okay, I'll read real quick. <laughs> and then you go into court. 
But a lot of the time, you evaluate the law process over time. And my colleagues look at cases and go, okay, this is it. Okay, this is it. Okay, this is it. And you evaluate and evaluate and evaluate. So you have time to come back around to it. You think about it, you think about it again. So what do I feel about the thing that I'm looking at? What are the facts that we know? What don't we know? What are the potential issues? What is the law? And then you start to look at both sides of the thing. And then go, ooh, do I like one side better? Do I think one side has a better case? What is it? What is it? The feeling part, though, for a lot of what we're dealing with in the media is like, how do I feel about it? And sometimes I look at, and how, how are they portraying it? How are they trying to make me feel about it? And that's something when I look at media, I'm like, how am I feeling? How are they trying to make me feel? And then I look at the facts. <laughs> like, but what are the actual facts? Because it's hard because so much stuff has spin right now because you're trying to grab that attention, trying to grab that clickbait, trying to grab that coin, really. So I'm always fascinated about what somebody else is trying to make me. How are you trying to make me feel? And it's really fun to watch it play out on social media. This has played out on social media and I'm sure has continued to since the recording of this and you know, the airing of this, but (laughs) Burger King got it spectacularly wrong. I think what they were trying to do was bring a little bit of this outrage marketing or shock media marketing to their tweet, get a sassy tweet, get it discussed. And at this moment, and I'm recording this on Monday, March 8th, that tweet has 328,000 retweets and scrolling. It also has 651,000 likes. It also has almost 60,000 comments. And when I look at Burger King UK's Twitter account on March 5th, they had a tweet that had 14 retweets and 33 comments. Before that, 30 retweets, 40 comments. Before that, four retweets, eight comments. So clearly these numbers are well out of step with what their normal Twitter activity looks like. And that may have been the intention to grab attention by outraging people. Now, this might backfire on them spectacularly because using a stereotype or a trope that can negatively impact, you know, like 50% of the world's population is maybe not the type of attention that you would want to bring on to your company. Because when women are made to feel guilty, when women are demeaned, women belong in the kitchen means more than just you don't have a place outside the home. It also wraps up in your value as a woman. You're valued by being a homemaker. You're valued by, you know, get in the kitchen, make me a sandwich. And there is still a lot of guilt around being a working mom. There is still... um, internal struggle around maybe not getting dinner on the table every night. Women are still turning themselves inside out to be everything to everyone. And it is that that makes this tweet so problematic. And this we've seen during this pandemic, it is March. We are, this week for me is going to be a year of when California went into lockdown. And it is been a hard year and women have felt that burden of trying to keep up at work, trying to keep up at home, trying to 
you know, work as if they don't have children at home and be at home as if they don't have a job and doing it all in one place while also distance learning with their kids, which is also a complete shit show for a lot of families. There is a lot of guilt. There is a lot of stress. And then Burger King on International Women's Day just reminds women that they belong in the kitchen. Now, to be fair to Burger King, they did issue a Twitter apology. (laughs) But here's the thing. The Twitter apology came 55 minutes ago from when I'm recording this. The original tweet was 13 hours ago. But Burger King has an entire marketing campaign around women belong in the kitchen. There are bags. There is a scholarship. This is not a oopsie, someone on the social media team got a little too cheeky. This is an entire ass marketing campaign, an international one at that. I suspect that Burger King tweeted this in the UK and was immediately slammed with the responses and then did not tweet it from the Burger King US account because that account has been silent. Though they do try to get into this, and I will tell you about that in just a second. The response, apology, if you will, we hear you. We got our initial tweet wrong and we're sorry. No, you didn't get it wrong. You tweeted exactly what you meant to tweet. It wasn't a typo. It was tone deaf and offensive. Our aim was to draw attention to the fact that only 20% of professional chefs in UK kitchens are women and to help change that by awarding culinary scholarships. We will do better next time. Okay, then in the initial tweet, say, quote, women belong in the kitchen, quote, then why are only 20% of chefs women? Put that in one tweet. But no, if you put that in one tweet, everybody won't be talking about it. So you wanted there to be outrage. You wanted there to be conversation, but then it blew up in your face and you were like, oh shit, uh, we should probably do something about it because yeah, people are going to be mad. We also are in a time of cancel culture. So people are going to lead with their feelings because you read that initial tweet and you go, Meh. women belong in the kitchen. That's hurtful. But then you read the next and you go, okay, I see what you were trying to do. You did it badly. You did it badly. And some are saying, you know, why is everyone so outraged? Why is everyone so, you know, sensitive about it? Don't be a snowflake. And the thing is, we have to have a conversation about why stereotypes are hurtful and why it's a problem. So bringing that back, we know that this is part of Burger King's marketing plan. Why? Well, Burger King US tweeted on Valentine's Day, tag your side piece. And then in a subtweet to that said, we hope this doesn't damage any relationships because, you know, for those of you that aren't aren't hip with the hip with the kids, see, because I'm old side piece is your your person on the side. See, it's your side piece of ass outs, outside of your relationship. <laughs> but on Valentine's Day, that's what Burger King US tweeted. Tag your side piece and then subtweeted it. You know, the tweet that goes under the tweet, sweet tweet, tweet on the tweet, tweet under the tweet, the tweet, tweet under the tweet was oh, (laughs) we hope this doesn't cause a problem for relationships. What are you eating this evening? Right. If you want to see these tweets, go ahead and hit me up on Twitter. I'm on the Twitters. I am on the Twitters at the Emily D. Baker, and I have tweeted them out and will pin them when this episode goes live on Wednesday so that you can easily see them on my Twitter account. But this is what I'm talking about when we have to look at how we're being manipulated by the media, how 
that emotional gut response needs to be filtered through because it's really easy to look at that first tweet and go, yeah, fuck you, Burger King. Or for some, though I can't imagine it, say, yeah, women do belong in the kitchen. If that's you, by the way, just it's, if you don't mean it jokingly, it just, you can go. (laughs) Just, just, that's not helpful. I know it's not you. I know it's none of you. I know, I know. Law nerds don't do that. But having a conversation about why the media and why companies are trying to use hooks like this to hook in emotionally and get an emotional response is not always a good thing. Like this whole negative emotions are better than no emotions in marketing. At least they're talking about us. I don't, I don't like it. I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's good for any of us. And, and now you can take a pause hopefully run it through the filter that we talked about today and go, ah, what are you trying to make me feel? Oh, are you trying to make me outraged? Because people tend to talk about things they don't like more than they talk about things they do like. Okay. Okay, great. Fantastic. Let me know what you thought. Let me know what your reaction was. And let me know if you ran it through the the process or the filter that we talked about today. I would love to hear your experience with that. And since we are still in this pandemic, even though, even though we are rolling out vaccines, we're still in a pandemic. So I'm raising a glass over here. It's got ice in it today. And I'm going to say to you, may your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. And may the odds be ever in your favor. I will be here with you next week.